Welcome to the next episode of the Iowa Type Theory Commutes. This is the beginning of what I'm going to call Chapter 2 of this podcast. The first bunch of episodes, which let's group together as Chapter 1, were about computer check proofs and formal methods. And now, we're going to switch topics a bit, building on that first set of episodes, to talk about functional programming. Functional programming is, in my opinion, just about the nicest form of programming you can imagine for purposes of computer check proofs and formal methods, and I'll explain a little bit about why that is. And um, so first I want to review a little bit of terminology uh, that I introduced at the end of the last episode. So in functional programming, your program is built out of functions. Functions are sort of the building block of your program. And functions can be higher order, which means they can take in functions as inputs or produce functions as outputs. And this provides a very flexible form of programming where, for example, say you want to write a function to sort a list of numbers or a list of any kind of data. Uh, it's a very common way to organize this in a functional programming language to have it accept some function that tells how to compare the elements. So you write your sorting procedure parameterized by another function for sorting the el- for comparing the elements, you know, which element is smaller or bigger than or equal to another. Um, and that's just a simple example of uh, sort of use of higher order programming to organize your program um, in a sort of nice abstracted kind of way. Anyhow, and as I mentioned in the last episode, we can distinguish a few different forms of functional programming. First form of functional programming um, is functional programming that allows mutable state. And so, um, again, the functional program, our building blocks for our programs are uh, our functions, but we can also change the values of variables. We can change data structures of our programs using. Um, so, uh, and this is a very common way of programming in most mainstream programming languages. In fact, it's so common that you would wonder if there's really anything else that's sensible. Uh, but so languages like OCaml, languages in the ML family, uh, are generally of this kind. You write functional programs, but they are allowed to use mutable state. Um, it's sort of politely discouraged, but it's not you know really frowned upon. It's The languages are sort of geared towards making you write pure functional programs. Now, pure functional programming is a form of functional programming where um, you cannot, there is no mutable, mutable state. All the state must be completely explicit. If you want a function that keeps track of some quantity, that quantity has to be passed as an extra argument to the function. It can't be um, kept off to the side as a um, something that can be changed as the function is called again and again. Um, so that's pure functional programming. And the final form of functional programming I'd like to distinguish is strong functional programming. And strong functional programming is a form of pure functional programming where every additionally to purity, where there's no nothing is changed, we can only create new things, we cannot change the things we've already created. In addition to this, all the programs are required to terminate on all inputs. You cannot write an infinite loop or anything like that. Or a program which under some conditions, you know, for some of its inputs might might run forever. Um, so that's strong functional programming. Everything is required to, to terminate. And in practice, you need some way of ensuring the termination. So uh, it means you need some form of termination checking or something that's going to guarantee the programs really do terminate. Um, so these are three forms of functional programming. And I'd like to, and we'll talk more about um, these as we 
go along talking about uh, in chapter two here about um, about different kinds of functional programming and about sort of various things related to that functional programming. But for this for this moment, I'd like to just talk a little bit about why pure functional programming is so great from the perspective of computer check proofs. Well, it's really great because um, uh, there's no, you know, the, by definition, pure functional programming has no um, implicit state. Every time you call a function you're with the same inputs, you're required to get the same outputs. And this poses some interesting problems for fitting various operations into uh, the pure functional paradigm. But the great thing about it is that you don't need to account for any implicit state. And this is actually one of the hardest parts of other forms of formal methods is dealing with implicit state, the state that might be changed by the running program and that's not explicitly part of the program inputs. Um, you have to, in effect, what you could say is under those conditions, you know, if you have an immutable state, you're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to make that state explicit when you're reasoning about the program. Um, well, okay, perhaps you only need to make explicit the properties of that state that you need to do your verification, but you're gonna have to make something explicit that was implicit before, which is a big change. It means you're writing your program happily, merrily going along, but now when it's time to verify it, all of a sudden, this thing that was kept in the background has to be considered explicitly in the foreground. There's really just no way around that, right? If you're going to prove some property of a program that keeps track of the height of something, like maybe it's a drone aircraft or something, and it has to keep track of a height, um, and maybe you need some properties of that, that height uh, for your verification, like it's not too high or not too low or something like that to prove some behavior of the, the system. Well, you're going to have to account for that explicitly. And in pure functional programming, in a sense, you could say you've already had to bite the bullet. You've already had to make all your state explicit. Um, and this has a tendency to make you want to use less state, <laughs> which um, which is good. A lot of times there are programs you can write with mutable state, which you cannot um, write as efficiently in a pure way, um, at least not you know, in any obvious sensible way, can you write, can you, can you sort of simulate the effect of the mutable state with the immutable state? Um, so in some sense, programming with mutable state has some advantages, but on the other hand, as often happens with programming languages, if you put some powerful feature in there, people just try to use it for everything. And mutable state is not a great feature to use for everything because, um, if, at least for the purposes of of trying to reason about your programs because of this problem that you now need to explicitly model and reason about this implicit state. So um, pure functional programming sort of discouraging you from doing that is actually helpful. It sort of weans you off this addiction to mutable state. And um, yeah, in pure functional programming, it weans you so extremely that you can't use it when you might really need to, which is kind of a, kind of a problem. Um, but, but you don't need to nearly as much as you think you do. Um, and so that's, that's a great benefit of pure functional programming is to sort of tee you up already for writing programs that are easier to deal with and reason about explicitly in a formal way. Okay, uh, that's all I have for you today. So thank you very much for listening. And we'll be continuing now of what we're going to call chapter two of the Iowa Type Theory Commute talking about functional programming.